This is episode 50 of Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake. Woohoo! 50, all right. Big 5-0. Like it. Remember I told you I was lost? You were trying to hide under a blade of grass. Well, I think perhaps you've built me a lean too. At the least. to keep out the rain. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Welcome once again. This is episode 50. Episode 50, baby. Very exciting. I'm your host, Mary Larson. My name is Blake, and I love, I absolutely love the color of blue. Love, love, love blue. I'm actually wearing blue right (laughs) now. You are. And it's the same kind of blue. It's like a nice light shade of blue. Okay. And uh, it just makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Where is this coming from? It's from the show, from from the from from the episode, the big sex scene. Oh, okay. I, <laughs> the, <laughs> wow, I'm surprised you didn't catch on to that. No, I totally did. I just didn't know what you were going for. No, I'm just saying. I I love the color blue. It made me fan, it made me feel fantastic. Oh, well, I'm glad. And that was a fantastic scene. But before we talk about that scene, we actually had some listener feedback that we wanted to bring yeah, up. Yeah, I wanted to bring a, cu- a couple of uh, Facebook and tweets uh, that, I, that I found were really cool. Mark Benjamin, I think on Facebook, uh, says, It's my first post! Yay! All right! And he says, Question, do you think some Outlander couple fans are buying blue lights for their bedrooms and playing the soundtrack for romantic evenings? More specific, <laughs> Blake and Mary, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. Well, let me tell you, my friend, my good friend Mark Benjamin, I, I may or may not have a blue light on am, on, on order from Amazon. I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> throw it out there. I got the blue shirt. I, I already got the soundtrack. Might as well. Have, you already have the soundtrack. <laughs> okay. Well, Mark, we'll, we'll keep my, my bedroom to my bedroom. <laughs> I won't say no more. <laughs> and Jeanette DK Dekitz, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Uh, it says, becoming clear that turning DIA, which I imagine is Dragonfly and Amber, into a 13-episode series has been a monumental task. She feels that they are cramming so much information into each episode that it's almost inhuman to grasp. So glad they have it, that she has a background from the book to keep her sane. And, and the reason why I put this here, honey, because I wanted to ask you about this. The background of the book, does it help inform what you're watching in the show? Like, does it help make more sense? I mean, it's hard for me to say because I have read the book, so it, it of course makes more sense to me. And I definitely feel like they are having to cram a lot. They've had to cut a lot. They've had to condense a lot. But I think they've done a great job. Is there is there stuff that doesn't make sense to you? I feel like they've made sense. No, it's not, it's not that it doesn't... Mm, I think it's more like it's not just being thrown at us. It doesn't feel right now like we're getting 
the full story. It's like we're getting the greatest hits okay. of Dragonfly and Amber, which, I mean, is fine. It kind of reminds me of that movie Black Mass, if you've ever seen that. It's about uh, Whitey Bulger in, in Boston, and Johnny Depp was in it, and he transformed himself. It was a good movie. But, I mean, if you're from Boston, you know that Black Mass was like the greatest hits of Whitey Bulger. It didn't really give you a whole lot of story. It was just plot, 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 plot. Because they had to fit, you know, 20 years, 30 years of reign of terror of Whitey Bulger into a movie. One, two hour clip. So I feel like that's what's happening with Dragonfly and Amber. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. But I think they're doing a great job. No, I think so, too. I think they're doing a good job. They're 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 adapting it. I think that they're the best that they can. Uh, but I think, and the, again, the reason why I put that there is because I think it almost feels like the book is r- like homework for the show does that make sense too a lot of people would say it should be your homework Blake yeah well <laughs> a lot of people would be really wrong because it's not gonna happen I know my love what do you got for your GBG All for right, this so episode my good we got to see the silver spoons remember how everyone was so upset Yes. When we were given just a spoon <laughs> to look at around well, Thanksgiving. People had a slight reason the, to be upset. <laughs> I know, I know. But for Peak Outlander yeah. and um, Peak at Outlander. Is P- that uh, a, peak at Paris. Peak at Paris. I'm like, that hashtag, doesn't, doesn't make word of do, sense. Do the hashtag peak, Oh, yeah. Hashtag Peak at Paris. <laughs> so, you know, there was a lot of uh, disgruntled people, understandably so for some of them, that they got to see a spoon. But that dinner table looked gorgeous. The whole dinner in general, whether it was costumes and everything, my gosh, so many hours went into that. And they looked like there were peaches in the flower bouquets. Right. That looked amazing. So I had a lot of fun just looking at the dining room. It was beautiful. And to be able to see it in context and to know, <laughs> to know that little did they ever know that that dining room table setting would ever cause so much hoopla. <laughs> but now we got to see it in use. My bad yes. was the title. Ah, and um, La Dame Blanche. I, as a book reader, understand, and I know they're going to get into it more. They're going to have to. Heck, they named a title of one of the episodes it. Well, that's what I'm getting at. It seems like it's required homework to read the book. I think. I mean, they're going to talk about it more. It just happened, so we don't have time right now necessarily in Mm -hmm. this episode to talk about it. Um, But on that part, I felt a little weird that it was called that without getting to know anything more about it so there were a couple of things that that um i felt were contending for my bad but the title itself um it literally gets said once in a hurry and then and it doesn't make any sense there's no context whatsoever yeah there's no explanation again it's just shoehorned in my great for my gbg yes jamie and claire are back i just loved the entire month, you know, the entire couple of scenes between him coming home with the bite marks and her flipping out and him doing oh, wow. that. Yes, no, yeah. <laughs> like, that, that's one of my favorites. Um, him talking about, I mean, the scene that we had, the little clip from the beginning, and then they're being able to find themselves in that blue light. I'm just celebrating that Claire and Jamie are back. Right. So that's my great. How about you? What's your GBG? GBG for me, the good was Murtaugh and Fergus. Ooh, Seeing yeah. those two outside of the hospital go back and forth about women and the knife throwing and, you know, um, and and what I really liked about it was that it shows you Fergus is a little bit more smarter and more aware than any normal 10 through 14 year old kid mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more intuitive and also for for uh, for Murtaugh it was great because it showed you that he actually cares about what Suzette thinks about him and he mm-hmm. was like all happy and, he, and he's trying to outsmart Fergus and he's like well 
she's in love, but you just said that she was sad. How does that work? You know, like, I thought that was so cute. The bad. Now, there were a couple of things that I felt were a little bit bad, but the one that really got me was the whole fight scene at the end. That, to me, it took down the whole episode, not the whole episode, but it brought the episode down. I thought it was poorly shot. I thought it was poorly choreographed. The whole thing with, like, the... The, the tassel. Oh my god, the tassel kind of threw me. I will agree I'm with like, you I'm like, what that. are we doing with that? And it felt like... It made me not want to get in a fight or be hit by anybody that has a tassel on their hand. Yeah. <laughs> what, this isn't Jason Bourne. We're not fighting with magazines, you know? Like, come on, man. Like, I did. I, I thought that whole fight scene was just not good. Okay. But the great, the great, and I will, I, I will go to my grave saying this. Neville Kidd. Uh, Neville Kidd was a director of photography for this episode. Now, normally, as we have talked about multiple times, it's Steve McNutt of um, Battlestar Galactica fame. So say we all. But today, it was Neville Kidd. And if you don't know who Neville Kidd is, he was the DP for last season, who did a fantastic job. And he was also the DP for a little show called Sherlock, which if, if any of my cumber bitches are out there, you guys know what Sherlock is. It's it's the definitive portrayal of Sherlock Holmes. So and Benedict Cumberbatch. I mean, you can't get any better than that. My man crush on Benedict Cumberbatch is raging right now, just thinking about it. <laughs> What's your kilt rating <laughs> for this episode? Kilt rating. Uh, I liked it just as much as useful uh, occupations and deceptions. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving it a four point three. How oh, about you, my darling? I'm giving it a four point five. Mm-hmm. We're cl- getting closer to being in sync. Wow! Look yeah. at you, <laughs> unbelievable. What do you got for the listeners? What do they think? Mary Louise Porter gives it three kilts. Unfortunately, story is getting lost, as is character development. Mm. Characters are being dropped into plot points, a la Comedia dell'arte, which <laughs> lines them up as caricature, caricatures of who they are supposed to be, understandably so due to time constraints. I do believe all of whom are involved in the making of the series are endeavoring to do their very best with well-written novels. I would agree. Um, once again, book readers were seeing, oh, okay, they, all oh, right, they condensed that. Okay, they did this. Oh, right. that's very interesting. And the writers are doing a fantastic job trying to fit it all in there. But for people who have fleshed out the story, I can understand how you might be missing some parts. Uh, Leslie Banta gave it four. Why didn't Claire pursue the bite marks? Oh, yeah. Sure, since it's Jamie, I'm inclined to let it go. But there was persistence until he gave a satisfactory answer in the book. And I think that Claire had to drop it, Leslie, because they only have an hour and they only have 13 (laughs) episodes. Because I agree with you. I was sitting there being like, that's not a good enough answer, Jamie. That's not a good enough answer. You must be giving her flowers tomorrow because... More than flowers. (laughs) You gotta give a Kobe Bryant ring. That's what he should be giving. (laughs) Tammy H. Bellante. Said, tweeted, five out of five kilts. The sets and the dialogue stole the show. Plus, the moment when he talks about feeling yeah. exposed. Mm. So, yes. And Elisa G. Burick gave it five kilts for the fabulous costumes. They are half the reason I watch this show. That purple ensemble that Claire Reels wears to the apothecary is gorgeous. Five kilts for the apothecary himself. Perfect casting. <laughs> Three kilts for the overdone foreshadowing mm-hmm. and and I did not like how all of Jamie's reacted, uh, reactions were so positively to the news that Big Bad Randall was still alive. It trivializes his trauma, in my opinion. The comp needed more dialogue. 
I'm intrigued about this Betty. And also, didn't think that leaving Mary alone with Alex was realistic <laughs> for that time period. Why didn't Suzette stay with them? Ludicrous. But overall, a great episode with Claire and Jamie reconciling and fully united. Lots of good points that we're going to be bringing up in this recap. This episode of Outlander Cast is brought to you by the Outlander Experience. Have you always wanted to see the sweeping vistas of the Scottish Highlands and retrace the steps of Jamie and Claire, but were overwhelmed by the planning? Well, worry no more, because all you have to do is visit www.the outlanderexperience.com where you can book a fully planned fully escorted 10-day luxury tour of Scotland. Join Jeff Robertson owner of the Outlander Experience as he personally guides you through all the major sites in Scotland where Outlander Season 1 was filmed and much more. Visit Jeff at www.theoutlanderexperience.com to book the trip you've always wanted but never knew you needed and tell him that Miriam Blake sent you. TheOutlanderExperience.com, where the Scottish past is alive, but the story will take your breath away. And I'll tell you, I need a trip to Scotland. Oh my God, we do can so we, Can we go badly. away for a month? <laughs> Just leave the kids, you know, with some... Felicity, guys, for those of you who uh, have been with us, Felicity was born last May 30th. She's about to be turning one soon. She's been teething for months. Oh, my God. For like five months straight. And it's like just as the tooth comes out and she stops having a fever and she stops having a rash and she stops all this stuff, another one pops up. So we need a trip. <laughs> anyway. I, I need a trip for, a month, like I said, a month. Just Television. Put some, put some newspaper down on the floor. Leave some milk out for the kids. Television is our trip. Well, okay. <laughs> so you have in here a bit of an explanation about the title. Yes, the title La is La Dame Blanche, as we all said uh, earlier. And I... I I was so intrigued by what the La Dame Blanche meant that I went straight to the Google mobile and uh, I looked it up and what I found was La Dame's Blanche are found in French folklore, particularly in the Celtic regions of France, such as Normandy and Brittany. They seem to share some characteristics of Irish banshees, such as warning mortals of impending deaths by lingering outside homes and weeping and wailing. And in Normandy, they were believed to be fairies who lurked near bridges, streams, and ravines and would stop travelers and force them to dance or answer cryptic riddles. Mm. If the travelers refused, la dame's blanches would torment them and toss them into the ditches. Good thing Claire... Well, actually, she did see Murtaugh dance, so maybe he would be tossed into the bridges as well, into the ditches as well. I may be throwing that out there. Right. I don't know. All I know is Duvernay was tossed over a bridge, <laughs> but it was not by Claire. So I, I'm going to say that the whole La Dame Blanche thing, uh, as a, obviously just a show watcher, is confusing uh, at best and a little uh, maddening at worst. Uh, because you're like, okay, it's La Dame Blanche. What is that? And They're going to definitely explain it next week. I'm sure that they to. will. I'm sure that they will. If they don't explain it next week, I'm going to be a little disappointed. Mm -hmm. um, it's okay to throw a mystery in there and what that means and where it comes from. 
uh, but to have absolutely zero context and then just move on, I'd be a little disappointed. Uh, this episode written by Tony Graffia. Uh, she is of the Watch fame, which I was not a huge fan of, but also the Devil's Mark, which is an episode that I I just adore of Outlander. Uh, she also... She also did Rent, mm-hmm. uh, another episode that I was, you know, okay. Uh, but she's also written for other shows like Alcatraz, uh, Terminator, the Sarah Connor, Connor Chronicles, uh, one Battlestar Galactica. So say we all. Carnival, Roswell, and many others. So this this is someone who's worked with uh, with Ron Moore on BSG and Ros uh, and uh, Carnival. Uh, so she's worked with him quite a bit. The director uh, was Douglas McKinnon, uh, and he has done a lot of like British television, a lot of British series. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one thing that he is really known for as of late uh, was the latest Sherlock special, uh, which was The Abominable Bride oh, yeah. that just recently came out. Uh, th- th- that was the episode that was right between seasons three and the impending season four. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great show. I thought it was a great episode of Sherlock. Um, he also did a bunch of Doctor Who episodes, and he did the film The Flying Scotsman. So it's good to have uh, Neville Kidd and Douglas McKinnon, who has worked on Doctor Who and um, Sherlock all together, uh, creating Outlander. And that is a pretty special team. Uh, so that's that. My love, what do you say we get started? Last week, we uh, shook things up a little bit. Rather than going by a scene by scene, we did things differently. And I liked that. So we're going to continue on doing it. So rather than going scene by scene, we're going to talk about some major plot points. First and foremost, I need to talk about Jamie and Claire. Because this episode, the fourth episode in, they are back. They're back in the bedroom, they're back in sync. Uh, they're back on the same page. Mm-hmm. Jamie was finally honest with ja- uh, Claire was finally honest with Jamie. So lots of great things that I wanted to talk about. They talked about the baby. They talked about the baby's possible names, both of which hmm. not nah, Lambert, <laughs> Lambert and Dalhousie. Del. <laughs> And Del she's Hussie? like, it sounds Del like Hussie. a sneeze. Yeah, I'm like, I can't even say it because I want to sneeze good, while I do good it. Good way to open the whole episode up. I thought that was really cute. Yeah, shows them they 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 have a little bit of a playful banter, mm-hmm. talking about the names. Really liked it. I agree. And you got to see a lot of bump action, baby bump. Finally, <laughs> they're finally acknowledging the bump, and like it's it's like it's there. It's getting it's, there. And you know what's interesting? So. Really, in these French costumes, it does hide the bump pretty well. Sure. Of course, we get to see how prominent it is during the bedroom scene. And by the way, what a great prosthetic bump when oh, she yeah. was naked. Couldn't tell. I was like, man. If you that told is me that so she was great. pregnant, I would have been like, okay. Right? Fantastic work. But I'm just happy. I'm happy that he's rubbing and kissing the bump so much when he gets excited about the Black Jack Randall conversation. Can, can we? Let's talk about that. Let's okay. Let's jump right to there where. Of course, they plan to have this dinner. Yep. And Jamie says, you know, we, we should invite the Duke. Um, Claire says, all right, well, uh, there's something I got to tell you. And I loved how <laughs> I loved how Claire being so ill at looking at that point after the near poisoning. Mm-hmm. Um, she almost looked whiter. She looked even as she's starting to think about having to tell him about BJR. It's almost like she became sick again. Right. Just the acting that Kat did right there. And of course... You know, Jamie can tell that something's wrong with his wife, and she tells him. What did you think of his reaction? Loved it. Really? Loved every ounce of it. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that he's happy about it. I'm so glad. 
uh, that it has reinvigorated him, uh, that he, because, you know, listen, being a man, mm-hmm. when you get this little bit of you that gets taken away from you, you're, 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 when you're emasculated the way that he was, and considering the kind of man that Jamie is, um, when you have an opportunity to rectify that wrong, mm-hmm. you're going to want to take it. And uh, the only thing I would say is that when he said uh, later on, you know, you've given me a purpose again, you've given me something to look forward to, to live mm-hmm. for. My one qualm with that is, dude, what about the kid that's in your wife's belly? Belly, Like that to me is a reason to, to live. Like that, that's a pretty damn good reason to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 Again, it's, it's when you, when you're caught up and you get all the you get all the adrenaline going and you think about what just happened with Claire and, and getting poisoned and now she's alive and just could have been losing the baby, you know maybe you're not thinking all clearly. But then again, going from almost losing this child to oh my god, uh, the baby's alive, you would think that that's enough mm-hmm. for him to to be happy about. Did you find that same kind of reasoning, my love? <sighs> I was just so excited that he was smiling again right. that it, it was hard. There was a lot of stuff that happened in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, just actually be, between them. But I, I don't know. I, I agree with you that looking forward to the baby and looking forward to, in general, just his relationship with Claire. But really, they've had this dark cloud over their heads. And he's he's being given the task of trying to stop Something that has already happened in the future, right. stopping to stopping a rebellion. So, I don't know. I mean, I I don't I don't have the opinion of an eye for an eye. And of course, Jamie is now bloodthirsty for mm-hmm. BJR. So it's hard. I've also read the book, so I'm like, <laughs> oh, maybe maybe he won't have to see you know anything like this have to happen. Like obviously they're part pu- putting down some plot points for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I, I don't know. There were there were some other things that I actually had bigger issues with. Well, let, before you before you move on, I, I do want to say this. This is where Neville Kidd first brings it, uh, and and also Douglas McKinnon. I have to give him to him for this too. This conversation when Claire has to tell Jamie about Blackjack Randall. Oh, yes, McKinnon chose to stay on Claire. He chose to stay on her and to allow her face. To do the acting but what he did was he was smart he included jamie's blurred out unfocused profile mm-hmm. but neville kid lit the profile so that the face his face was burning in the flame like it was it was it was reacting towards the flame Ooh, i didn't even pick up on that well, that's why you got me kid seriously that was a beautiful insight and now i just yeah, need I to should, go watch it again should be going to harvard i'll tell you that <laughs> be wicked smart uh, no, his face was burning. It was it was flickering in the flame, and mm-hmm. it, you could just feel the tension. You could feel the flame burning within, uh, within Jamie. It was sparking up again, and that rage was building. But it was also cooled off by the cool blue colors in mm. in the frame as well. Yep. When he realizes, oh my God, I I have my spark of life back. It's all tempered by the fact that he's happy, and Claire is the one that's giving him. Well, this something news. else came back. Little little Jamie Fraser. <laughs> little Jamie Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> little Jamie Fraser came back, and Claire, of course, finds this out. Uh, 
through bite marks oh. on Jamie's thighs. No, I'm like scratching I, my neck as I say this. Very uncomfortable as a show watcher. Very uncomfortable. This was in the books. Banging my head against the microphone. I can hear that and see that, you poor oh. thing. It's... Oh, God. Um, that is just not good. And those were some really strong bite marks. They weren't messing around. Like, they broke skin. He needs, like, a tetanus shot. Yeah, that or was some antibiotics. Daunting. And of course, uh, Claire says, Who gave you this? Is it that brunette that Fergus is always warning me about? <laughs> and he says, Oh, no, it was a different girl entirely. And she goes, What? There's a simple explanation for this. You see, uh, she was trying to 69 me. <laughs> and um, it's totally oh. okay because, see, it's totally okay because I was filled with lust. Oh, Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. This is the first. No, you know what this is? Ultimately, this... truly dumb thing that he has done. <laughs> so many people, especially guys, can relate to moments like these. I feel like very, very often in our life together so far, Blake, there's been moments where you've said stuff and you've been like, I didn't mean that. Yeah, like it's not. It's he's like it's not coming out right. Yes. Oh, it's you know here and then. Claire you needed to be with another woman to get lust brought back into you. Well, I, and the poor thing, she's so right. She says you've barely touched me in months. Yes. And you were attracted by a whore. And by the way, I've been pregnant with your kid this whole time, dealing with this whole pregnancy by myself this entire time. Um, and you're not really doing anything with me but yet you're going to a whorehouse every single day and yeah. you're being physically attracted by this person so I can totally oh. uh, understand Claire's serious frustration confusion I'm not a male I can't be like yay this is great news it's working again like no. I kind of feel like Jamie was kind of in a Viagra commercial like it's okay Cialis <laughs> with the tubs yeah like <laughs> it's back babe we're gonna go on a horseback riding date soon and we're gonna be back in he's action off, he's off driving the Mustang on the highway yeah feeling like <laughs> feeling like a badass and the again. light turns on in the top the top window and his wife is there waiting and what it really <laughs> And, yeah. So rather Sorry. than the the whorehouse oh, be oh, his Viagra, man. for a lack of a better word, <sighs> he explains that it was the news of Blackjack Randall that has now turned the switch on, yeah. and how God, oh my God, the entire uh, bit where he gets to talk about how he was hiding, right? My gosh. So that a lot of that was from the book. Yep. Um, and. I am so happy that that was able to be worked in. Right. Beautiful dialogue. Uh, and as a man, uh, and as a man who has suffered and suffered with, suffered from and suffered with uh, depression and uh, going through some really tough stuff, obviously nowhere near what <laughs> Jamie has gone through, but still suffering from that. When you do, like I said, when you, when you're a man and you have that little bit taken away from you and it's exposed to the world and you don't even know how to handle it, you don't know what to do. Um, yeah, I, I can see his point there. I can, but I also really specifically see Claire's point when she says, and this actually reminded me of you, my love, when, when she says, I'm, I'm doing this alone. Like now, now you guys in the podcast world aren't necessarily privy to all the conversations that Mary and I have. <laughs> I hope and, not. That'd and, be so and creepy. I, I'm glad that you're not <laughs> because you'd think that I'm not a good person. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I remember when. Uh, when the whole pregnancy with Godzilla happened, I was still new to the whole idea, number one, of being an adult, okay? Uh, and number two, the fact that my wife was pregnant with a little 
baby in her and this thing was coming out no matter what we did uh i remember being totally overwhelmed by that and mm-hmm. thinking this is this is mary's job like this is what she has to do go at it kiddo um, here we go yeah, and, so easy and i remember thinking oh we should be going out now we should be going doing this we should be doing that and and mary was like no i feel like i'm alone in taking care of this baby i feel like i'm alone and 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 brewing this little baby in the oven here you need to help me more and when when claire said that to jamie everything became clear to me and instantly instantly i mean the whole 69 thing and the bites we did that is just no good and i don't care what he says he's digging himself into a six foot ditch Mm -hmm. immediately and it just got worse and worse and worse as time went on the more he talked the worse it got but when claire said that uh it really hit home for me and it showed that yes Jamie is off doing all the crap that he is supposed to do. I mm-hmm. totally get it. But Claire is still doing this massive job of brewing this baby in her. And that is no small task. How did you feel when she said that? I was like, preach it, sister. Where were you last year when I was pregnant and I needed this conversation? Said to my husband. <laughs> no, I think it. there's just there's a lot at play. Um, and I'm not trying to belittle Jamie's job at all. Jamie has quite a tough job, but I think that Claire has been very frustrated. And one of the biggest ways that she and Jamie connect is physically and to not have had that. And I mean, this isn't the this, think about it. Yeah, sure. He has bite marks on him, but he is at a whorehouse every day. Right. With women who are just throwing themselves at him and having his buddies go off and do whatever. So the thing that she's missing, he is surrounded by every single day. Mm-hmm. And, and then he comes home with it. And then he comes home Ugh. and he shows this. So, God, it was just a really big slap in her face. And... um I, I had a hard time, especially when I saw how strong those bite marks were. Yeah. And what were they doing all up in his And why were you grind? allowing that to be there? Why were you even like inviting that well, I just I'm picturing a woman crawling under the table and biting at him like a <laughs> rabid animal. That's how I'm giving it's not Jamie. It's a freaking raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how I'm going to picture no, it, just so I feel no, better about no, it. But we no. all know that's not what happened. That, that definitely ain't what happened. <laughs> but nonetheless, he didn't do anything like that with with this woman and at least a light switch has been turned on for him and that light switch i mean i'm is... happy i'm happy that this switch has been turned on yeah and obviously we saw the dividends of that in in the blue scene mm-hmm. uh which again were fantastic i just i, I just wish he weren't so freaking dumb <laughs> hey you know that can be said about a lot of people though oh yeah sure, sure. and he's been he's been depressed he's been messed up yep um and I'm I'm also wondering if he was sitting there saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm being turned on. Yes. I haven't been turned on in months. Right. This is amazing. Oh, crap. You're not my wife. I got to go. <laughs> you know, like, I wonder if that rabid animal climbed under the table, started to have this happen. And he was like, this is amazing. Wait a second. <laughs> and then you have the voiceover. If this lasts for more than four hours, please call your doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so, Claire... You know, really lets Jamie's beautiful explanation of the torment that he's been going through. Really beautifully written. I mean, really, I I wasn't obviously I'm not privy to what happened in the book, but as uh, as dialogue in this show, um, you get a chance to really feel what happened for Jamie and Mm -hmm. how exposed he really was. Uh, And although it, it does not make up for how dumb he was in the whorehouse, it does at least give you perspective 
as to why he was the way he was and the why and why he was saying, when am I going to have meaning for my life? When am I going to be happy finally to Claire in the previous episode? Uh, and it makes it makes complete sense. And as a character, it finally gives Jamie something, yes, to look forward to. It gives him meaning. It's not just this political backing, uh, and it's not this just the, this politically driven plot of trying to stop uh, the Bonnie Prince. Now he actually has something that pushes him forward, much like how Claire finally found uh, some kind of definition in last episode. Mm-hmm. Jamie now has that definition too, and it kind of puts them both at odds because. Jamie wants to go and just cut off this guy's head, Blackjack Randall, like it's his, like like yesterday. I want I want him gone. Mm-hmm. Yet Claire is feeling, yeah, but what about Frank? What about my husband, or my at least my ex husband, who's in Scotland? It's no fault of his own that is that his ancestor was a dickhead. It's no fault of his own that I'm here how 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 can i reconcile this and uh that in my my first um my first outlandish theory of the week uh, i'll give you an early one Ooh, it's coming early. this is going to be a big freaking deal between them huge freaking deal i mean i'm talking like um like marriage being like you think everything's fine now in the blue scene everything great yeah mm -mm, nope nope this is coming to a head uh and i say relatively quickly too um i I feel like there's gonna be a major fight Mm. and it's gonna it's gonna be a big deal so that's that so what i'm saying is that is finally deriving the two characters Mm -hmm. it gives them something to look forward to about that and i've noticed i've noticed on social media and and i'm not sure if you've seen this and i want to get your opinion on this people have saying have finally said Thank God for the female writers in in the writers' room because they actually get Jamie and Claire uh, because Ron and Ira didn't do a good job in the first two episodes. But yeah, but yet Anne Kenny and Tony Graffia finally yes they did a great job and Jamie and Claire are back and blah 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 blah. I think that's a tad unfair. I do too because they couldn't have been connecting in the earlier episodes. Right, and it had to happen now. And here's the other thing too. You had to get through so much freaking plot and get and introduced so many characters that you couldn't give any good character moments to either Cl- Jamie or Claire. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's fair to say, oh, the men writers don't get it. They just don't get uh, Jamie and Claire. Is that fair? I, I think that all of the writers have been doing a great job with the episodes, especially that they have been given right. and had female writers had to write for the first or second episode or even last week's episode that they would have still not connected because Jamie and Claire were not supposed to. Jamie needs to have been healing until this whole moment. Right. And that's not to devalue, by the way, what Tony Graffia did or Ann Kenny did. It's not to devalue them no. at all. They did a fantastic job. But it does it does show you something. It does tell you something that in not in Scotland anymore, they bring in Ira Bear, who is the number two in command, and they say, please take care of this for us. Make sure that this works. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like he took the hit for the team, uh, saying, okay, I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to introduce all these people. It's going to be a little bit of a mess, but it's going to be fine going forward. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set the table for all of you guys. And, 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 and if it wasn't for Ira Bear, I wonder how bad that episode would have been. Uh, and I know we said that in the last and a couple episodes ago, but it's it seems to be relatively true to me. 
Um, but going back to Jamie and Claire, uh, them finding each other in that scene, when when Claire realizes after Jamie has told her about uh, this little bit of his soul that has now gone, she realizes, oh, maybe I was a little harsh on him. Maybe, maybe for the good of my relationship, for the good of Jamie, for the good of this baby, let's be a little bit more forgiving. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you, I was disappointed in in, in Claire for not hitting them a little harder on the bite marks. But the fact that she did go to him, you know, disrobe and say, find us and try to join him in the best way possible. Um, I, I felt like that was a good character moment. And I felt like that was good for Claire. Well, once he started to speak and tell his story of, of his heart and his soul, she couldn't get after his bite marks then. I mean, they just had to condense it. Yeah, she probably did. If if this was real life, she probably would have been very upset <laughs> for quite some time. And then he would have talked to her. But for the sake of an hour television show, they had to condense. So right. I am thrilled that they were able to re- reconnect. I think that was a beautifully filmed love scene. I just it made me very happy. They were making love. Yes. Like it wasn't like this passionate, you know, dagger and at your throat type mm-hmm. deal. Uh, and while I love that kind of that 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 scene, and I and I love all all the stuff that goes on between them, this to me felt like a married couple who were madly in love. Who it, it's like great makeup sex, dude. Yep. That's that's what that's that what is. it was. That's what that is. It's great makeup pregnant sex. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, I I just I really loved that scene. It was my it, it's my favorite sex scene that they've had. Easily, yeah, and, and not even, not even by a little bit, by mm-hmm. a long shot. Mm-hmm. It was great. It, okay. Everything that it represented, it was good. For, it, it was good for us. It was good for us as the viewers to see them, um, and to see them both portrayed in this blue hue, and uh, and how they shot with. And it was just the two of them. If you noticed, if you remember, um, the the background was all relatively just plain old black. It, it, there was nothing else on the screen except. For them and, and perhaps some of the bed sheets mm-hmm. lit in blue, which again gives you the focus just on the two characters themselves. So it's more about the character motivations and not just, hey, here's sex to have sex. I think that's great. The next topic is all about Claire. So we got the Jimmy and Claire, but a lot of bad things happened to poor Claire in this episode. Mm-hmm. Gosh, you know when he has those terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days? <laughs> Not that terrible, horrible, no good, very bad movie. (laughs) (laughs) Claire, of course, starts the day. Well, starts this. I say the day. I mean, starts this episode being poisoned. Yeah. God. How how do you like how they handled that? Um. Did this whole scene work for you? It did. It it did. Um. It was it was much more violent in the books and much more scary. Um. She she got very ill in many bodily function ways in front of a lot of people. So. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm glad that they that this happened the she way that it her did. Pants? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that oh, man. it happened this way. I like oh. seeing Jamie pick her up and take her. That sound that was like like her like almost like weird gagging, dry yep. mouth, what's happening to me sound yep. is really um Oh, God, scary. And the whole way that the comp was looking at her the entire time. Man, I just I just felt bad for her. And I was so worried about the baby, even though I know that the baby was going to be okay with this. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. How did you feel about it? I 
liked this scene. I thought they were a little heavy handed with the comp and how they kept going. They kept like putting the camera back on him. Okay. The way that they handled it in the beginning, how McKinnon put the camera focused on Claire again, as a matter of fact, but in the background, the comp was like a blurred out, mm-hmm. uh, out of focus. And it was ju- the camera was just sitting on on Cat, and it was just showing her reactions. And the comp blurred out was in the background, and uh, I thought that was very powerful because it's not it's not it's not telling you immediately, oh, this is who did it, uh, but it's implying it. But then they kept going back and forth between Claire and the comp, Claire and the comp, and it's just like it's it's a little on the nose of what was happening, uh, and I think that's fine uh, because you know you, you kind of have to. I think it's easy to assume it's the comp. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, he has no reaction whatsoever. If anything, he seemed a little pleased with himself uh, that, that that happened. Uh, here's my question, though. The comp, well, okay, you go to the apothecary, right? Uh-huh. And Claire goes to Master Raymond and says, hey, did you sell this? Did you sell the guy this Bitter poison? Cascara, yeah. like the pretend poison. Yeah, sure. Did you sell this guy this thing? And he says, no, the only person I sold it to was this servant about a month ago. So, but we also saw, we were privy to a scene with the Comte and, and, um, and Mastron when he was saying, he was saying, you know, keep this between you and I here. And, and Master Raymond says, yeah, of course, no problem. Like, that, of course, it will be between you and I. So, I mean, what are we doing here? Is the Comte the one who bought the poison? And is he the one who actually gave the poison? Because here's the here's a timeline of events. Well, not here's the timeline, but what is the timeline of events? How long between that meeting and this this drinking of the poison? How long did that take place? Like, what what was the time frame, right? Um, and my inclination is to say yes, he was the one who was behind the poisoning. But if the if the if Master Raymond did not sell the comp the poison, what the hell was he doing there? Why did they show it? And if he did sell him the poison, why is he lying to Claire? That doesn't make sense. Does he not believe Claire? Does he not trust Claire? Because remember, he also said we ha- we have to do things with people that we don't like. But it does seem like he's kind of buttering Claire up and giving her the stone and saying Madonna and all that other stuff and give it, putting her in the back. And it it's a little confusing. It's a little confusing. And I'm sure, obviously, that's probably the reason why that it's confusing because they intend it to be confusing. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, do you know who, who bought the poison, my love? It, sound, it looks like you do because you're not looking at me. No. No, no, you're not going to answer just, me? I'm not answering okay. anything. Okay, uh, that's fine. I think that it is fine for you to um, feel drawn the way you're being drawn. I think it's fine for purposes right now mm-hmm. in regards to the way that they showed the comp. I wouldn't be too alarmed about Master Raymond, but I think we're supposed to feel like Master Raymond is Claire's friend. Okay, because so, I, I feel like he's double deal- dealing a little bit here. I do understand how that can seem a little dicey. Yeah. So, but on the other hand, I don't want you to not trust him. Mm -hmm. Claire trusts him. And so because of that, I think we need to trust him. Uh, Is that okay? Yes. No, that's okay. I just. Claire's a good, I mean, granted, she's like gotten mixed up with some people before, but Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't worry too awfully much. Right. He's helping her out. (laughs) 
let's talk about Frank? Master Ramon and Frank. Oh my God. Okay. Well, well, how did you feel about this? How, yeah, how did you feel? I first liked having Claire talk again about being in Africa. Yes. With Uncle Lamb, because mm-hmm. it's nice to be reminded of that. And it's nice to be reminded that Claire has done many, many things, even before going through the stones. But for him, first off, when she says, oh, it's for a friend, he's like, he, he uses the word he. He can already sense that it's a male. Right, yeah. Which I think, whoa, excuse me, Master Elam. <laughs> this is a married woman, and you know that she's concerned about a male? Ooh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And for her to roll those bones and for him to say, I can't see his fate, but don't worry, you will see him again. Right. I really liked it. Yeah, I was going to ask you, knowing that she sees him again, obviously, yeah. given the premiere, yeah. is it is it a good thing for you to know that she's going to see him again? Like, I think like, it's did, fine. Did that work for you? It did. It, it was fine because I really liked to see her face. Right. I liked to see her face. And it makes me wonder if the Claire that we saw earlier this season, the first episode, if during those long days sitting out in the garden... If she thought back to this moment right. and thought, God, I those can't damn believe he was right. bones. <laughs> <laughs> and that zebra pelt. Damn they him. Were right. Um, yeah, I just, I thought it was nice. I thought it was nice to hit us back again with this fact. I mean, for the past three episodes, we have been stuck in France and we've been so excited about France and about stopping the Jacobite Revolution and monkeys and, and all this kind of stuff going on. And it's nice to be reminded, don't get too comfortable. Claire isn't going to stay here. Right. Just a reminder. So it's nice that it's in the middle, a little close in the middle. You know, it's now episode four. Mm-hmm. Episode five is literally going to be smack dab the middle of the season. Well, no, it's oh. going to be a little bit. Cause oh, yeah. Because the, there's more than 10 episodes. Oh, yeah. So there's we're a little, 13. Yeah. Get, get, we're more towards. Anyway. We're more towards. We're closest to the half than we are at the beginning. Yeah. Okay. We'll put it that but way. It's just a nice reminder. I liked that moment. Yeah, I did too. I, You know, part of me wanted it to be a little bit more dramatic because that is a big thing. Like that that's a big reveal. Mm-hmm. For him to say you're going to see him again. Um would it have worked better if we had not seen Claire back in the 40s? Uh probably. But I'm willing to let go of that because what we saw in the 40s was so spectacular. Yeah. Uh and it made sense and you're right. It is it does serve as a little bit of a reminder. It does let you know that hey, if you don't like France or if you don't like where Claire's going with this um you don't get too comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also lets you know that no matter what she does, no matter how much she works, no matter how much she loves Jamie, mm-hmm. these things are telling you, you're going back. Did you notice that Frank's theme on the clarinet began yes. playing? Yes, I did If you I haven't picked that. up on that, just go watch that scene. I loved the dinosaur and how Master Raymond said that he... You know, is interested in things not from this time. Oh, WTF, mate! I've got a great outlandish theory. Tell us, tell us right now. No, 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 no. It's it's that's for the end of the episode. You were lucky enough to get one already. Okay, okay. And he gives Claire the poison necklace. Thank God, because of course you were just talking about how she was poisoned earlier. So, you know, at least at least she's having a little bit of protection. Mm -hmm. However. The next bad thing that happens to Claire is an attempted rape. Oh my God! More. Banging my head against the microphone. Okay. <laughs> Title card had a, a man who has, you know, a, a mark on his hand. Right. Changing the wheel and taking out some very important piece. I, of course, have no knowledge, even of wheels of our time. I cannot change <laughs> it's my like wheel. The, it's like the caught pin. That's what it's like. Oh, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Triple A. 
Where the hell was AAA? In Paris. The therapists in AAA would make a killing in Paris if they just went on over. But anyway, this this pink bar pigeons. <laughs> you, you gotta wait at least six hours, bro. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. God, popped it out. Uh, even in one of the shots that I put up on, on Facebook, um, has these two guys... Getting a little too close to Claire's carriage, in my opinion. I'm like, right. was it one of them? And you, if you notice, too, up. the stones in, in the title card are the same exact stones where uh, Claire ends up, where she drops the, the carriage at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Same exact stones. Yeah, so she was able to make it there. She was able to make it there. And so, um, you know, does all the stuff at the hospital. Disgusting. Oh, my God. So disgusting. I can't even handle <laughs> thinking about that broken leg. Um, so someone obviously knew... Where Claire was going to be. Right. Dismantled the the wheel, broke it in some way, shape, or form so that she couldn't go home, knowing also that Claire was needing to go home a certain way. Like, because in my opinion, I would, I, if I had a flat tire or whatever the equivalent would be in Paris at that time, I would be like, we are getting a hotel room <laughs> and ordering room service because we stayed late at work and I just saw some nasty stuff. Mary Hawkins will room with me. Fergus Murtaugh, you guys are going to be in a separate room. Let's just tell Jamie we're coming home tomorrow. <laughs> but <true>. instead, <laughs> they had to have a long walk home. You saw what time of day it was from the hospital. So right. they had a long, it took a long time for Fergus to get there and fergus is young and sprightly right you know when he He's finally nimble. makes it to the house it's what did the, what did the clock say like eight it was yeah, after sure. eight yeah so my goodness gracious and it was a long time, time. Because, by, because by the time you saw claire again it's nighttime yep it's nighttime so they so. had a long walk but whoever this was knew that she was going to be at the hospital right. knew that she was going to have to walk home because she had an event going on right who do you think this was why do you think that they would have uh done this to Claire Murtaugh, well, Mary Hawkins. You, you can you can tell that this was planned. Obviously, mm-hmm. it was clearly planned. And the guy who took the cotta pin out of the wheel is also the guy that was there with the cane that you saw, and he had the same mark on his hand. Yes, uh, that attempting they, to rape, attempting Claire. to rape Claire. So. We do get another one early. We do get another one early. Here's the thing. Um, oh, man. I don't think it was the comp who did this because he was a late addition to the dinner party. Mm-hmm. And for him to put all this together as a late addition quickly, to me, doesn't make sense. So you do not think that the comp was present at this or do you not think he was involved? In he, ain't, he ain't involved. Okay. He ain't involved. And I mean, for him to sit next to Claire, I mean, he's pissed off. He, he He's jerked off about his boat. I get it. No problem. Is he jerked off enough to get her to be raped? Uh, but you just said that he could have been the one that wanted to poison her. That's okay. And well, <laughs> he could kill her with poison. No, no. I don't think he wants to kill her. I think he wants to give her a little, a little bit of humble pie. Okay. And, uh, and. To me, that seems like his kind of character. He doesn't seem like a dude that wants to kill people, but he just wants to let everybody know that I'm the boss. But this, this was a little bit more, this was a little bit- This was terrible. This was terrible. This was terrible. And part of me feels like it was the Duke of Sandringham who planned this. And part of me feels like he planned this because he knew that the he somehow figured out that the Bonnie Prince was going to be there, and that he probably figured out 
Jamie wants me to meet the Bonnie Prince and he wants to have something happen between he and I. He knows about the secret dealings. He knows about all the stuff that's been going on between us. It's time to punish these guys a little bit here. And if you noticed, the the, the Duke of Sandringham was quick to leave. He's like, oh, I really wish... Oh my God, I loved his little, like, quick little lines. I know. He, he like, had to go. He's like, I gotta go. I, I really want a dessert. See you later. <laughs> I loved it. You know, and he was like, okay, I'm out. And he had this look about him like... Uh, you know this this is this is all going to plan i'm not going to be embarrassed uh and and if you notice when claire walked into the room the comte did not bow didn't bow like everybody else guess who didn't bow else the duke of sandringham did not bow so it tells me that he don't like Claire at all. And we already know that, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, We, we already know that. We were made very clear of that for some All right. All right. So now we're getting to the, the real outlandish theory pot of, of this whole thing. Okay. It's coming early. I like it. All right. Uh, but no, I still got one more, too. Oh. I got another one in my back pocket here, baby. <sighs> the Duke of Sandringham has a relationship with who? BJR. BJR. And I, if you go back and you like, you pause uh, the, the, the frame on one of the guys, the hair, the nose, the eyes, dude, if that's not Blackjack Randall, I don't, I, I will eat my hat. I will go to Planet Zippy for all I care. I will agree with Blake because he was like pausing it, fast forwarding it, pausing it, fast forwarding, rewinding, pausing. He's like, that's totally looks like Tobias. It does. Totally looks like and you Tobias. Gotta, and you got to notice too, the other guy, he went, he was going to town on, on Mary, Mary on Mary Hawkins. Going to town, aka He was raping, raping. her. Okay. Yeah. That, well, I didn't I mean know. that in a funny I way. I, I know, just I meant know. like he was, he was doing, he was his, doing what his what song. he was doing. Yeah. This other guy, the one that looks like Black Jack Randall. Um, Who was about to attempt to rape he was going. He was cool. He was calm. He was collected. Uh, much like how Black Jack Randall was when he was attempting to rape Jenny. Mm. Uh, and how he was uh, uh, trying to rape Claire in the first season. Uh, he was cool, calm, collected. He knew what he was doing. He was going straight to Claire. Uh, and there was there was no beef about it. Like, that's what he was doing. Um, the other thing that clues me into this, too, is right before these guys attacked, uh-huh. Claire and Mary were talking about how Mary has this new love and it's a Randall and uh, and... And Claire got a little worried. And then Mary says to her, oh, is, is, is there another Randall? And before Claire can say anything, boom, they get attacked. And usually when you edit something like that, that usually means the, the person that you were just speaking about will show up in the next frame. Usually that's how that's edited. Um, and yeah, I got a feeling that this was Black Jack Randall. And he is clued in on the fact, not only by his brother, but by the Duke of Sandringham. He was clued in on the fact about uh, where Claire works by the Duke of Sandringham. He was clued in on the fact about the dinner. And this was an attempt to get back at Jamie for what happened. That is a very interesting theory. And here we go. Here's another Here's another part of my theory, too. He was he was run over by the bulls, right? By, by the cows. Yes. He's got to have Cain because he was a little screwed up. Very interesting theory. So I, I'm just throwing will, it out there. I'm not going to say anything, but it's a very interesting theory. And I will agree with you on the fact that when you paused the, the show, uh, the eyebrows and bridge of this person's masked face. And his eyes. And his, his eyes, too. Okay. Looked somewhat like Tobias in the very dark light under a mask. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> you make me sound like an idiot. No, you're not an idiot. I was I'm... like all forensic on this stuff. I, I was, know I, you was, were. I was, I was going doing my best impression of uh, CSI. I was really proud of you. Me and Ted dancing. CSI in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so that rape scene. Yes. Uh, I, 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 can, I, can I just say that I'm tired of rape? I'm tired uh, of rape in television in general. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm just done with it. But, you know, God, I, I'm, I'm happy to hear you say that because it is it's it's used a lot. And especially lately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's here's one thing, though, um, which doesn't mean it's OK. But uh, rape does happen very, very frequently. I think they say that one in four women are going to be assaulted in their lifetime. Currently, Lord knows what it was way back then. Right. So uh, one thing that I can say from all of this rape is that I'm so I, I am happy that it is getting put on the table for discussion for us to say, hey, yeah, of course, Jamie wasn't having sex with his wife days after he was sexually assaulted because he's messed up mm-hmm. because he is traumatized because it was a terrible thing. Mary Hawkins it really is going to be messed up. It was a terrible thing. So um, it at least allows us to have these conversations that it's not just this quick little thing that someone gets over. Whereas, like, for example, in Game of Thrones, uh, Sansa Stark being raped repeatedly. Yeah, we know she's messed up, but we don't get to have this mourning process. Granted, there's a bajillion characters in that show, so we can't. But right. we were able to see that now with Jamie. Right. And we're able to understand a little bit um, about the, you know, the, the problems, uh, for lack of a better word, that can not only just happen from from the occurrence, but how it haunts him afterwards. Yep. So yep. Um, anyway, one thing that I did have a problem with regarding the rape is that, holy crap, Claire can recover very well. Like, she was literally assaulted. Uh, attempted rape was on her. She just now has to take care of Mary Hawkins. And yet Claire has to go put on a freaking happy face for this dinner party. And Jamie even says, let's cancel this. Right. This is a big deal. I know. I personally know how big of a deal this is. You know, let's cancel. And Claire says we can't. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the opportunity right now. So I was, um, gosh, you know, that that just took a lot. That took a lot for her to have to be able to do that and pull herself together and for Jamie to do that, too. Because Jamie's blood must be boiling. Someone just attempted to rape his, his pregnant wife. And he now has to go downstairs and do all this, too. So it was something that I feel like they had to kind of be very quick with it. Once again, an hour-long episode. Um, I'm really interested to see how they portray Mary Hawkins recovering from all of this. But, man, whatever drug she was on did not do her well. Because... that (laughs) The the hallucinations were coming, baby. Which, of course, leads to the fight. Yeah. And... uh... Well, Man. we'll talk about the fight in a little bit. Yeah. I wanted we're sticking with Claire. Okay, yeah, stick with Claire. Sorry. Um, uh, the last bad thing that happened to Claire, she had to sit next to the comp during dinner. Who did those damn <laughs> place cards? <laughs> well, of course, the comp came late. He wasn't invited. Right. So it, that's a quick addition. God, you know. But you don't put him next to the to the lady of the house. You put him in the middle. You put you put him with the servants with Alex Randall. You, you put him at the kitty table. <laughs> But instead, he has to say next to Claire, and she got to sport her new necklace, which he's like, um, that's for poison, and if you need to wear it, I don't even think I should be eating here. And she's like, you should wear it. Evil eye, evil eye. <laughs> the I side love... eye going on between oh these God, two. It was amazing. It was tense. It was amazing. The uh, oh God. 
I I loved it. I could just watch that. I could just watch them throw shade at each other with their eyes. It was good. I like the chemistry between the two. Oh, it's it's so good. And I, I'm not sure if it's because of how much she hates him mm-hmm. or how much he hates her. I, I'm not sure. Oh my, it's just mutual it's just, hatred. It just it just oozes out of this guy. Like yeah. he, he just has like he has this like this bro kind of uh like college like douchebaggery look about him a yeah. little bit. And he just, it's like he's too entitled and I just, oh my, all I want to do is just punch him in the face. Yeah. Granted, I get my ass kicked probably within two <sighs> seconds, but all I want to do is just punch this guy in the face as hot as I can mm-hmm. over like Hulkbuster style. Yeah. That's all I want to do. Oh, it, sorry. One more thing that I wanted to point out about the rape was that uh, this could now be a public, uh, public scandal. Oh, yes. That's right. The great foreshadowing of, of this. They, they couldn't. They couldn't let people know. They couldn't let the the uncle who was at the uh, uh, who was at the uh, the dinner party the dinner the dinner party with this lady's fiance, uh, which by the way I didn't see any warts and I didn't see the fact that he was like super old either. Like he seemed like he was. We he was, didn't get close enough. He was a little I, big. I will believe I, I, them that there are warts. Sometimes those warts are like nude colored warts. <laughs> You know, I would, I did not want to get up close and personal. I, with him. Granted, he's a little big. Probably, probably needs to hit the gym. You know, get on the treadmill here and there. I, I'll give you that. You're just saying Mary Hawkins. You know, he's I not think as she, bad I think she looks. sees him a lot worse than what he really is. Okay. Anyway, he's at the dinner too. You, you can't, you can't tell them about this. You can't. Because then are gonna she go won't bad. be engaged off, and it's just too much drama. So they have to kind of keep it together. Right. The only scandal that they want is they want Louise to make the Bonnie Prince go crazy. Right. So exactly. They don't want anything else to, uh, you know, really, really hide that. So the only other one thing that I want to point out, and this bothered me a lot in the books, is how much drinking Claire does while pregnant. Wow, dude, she's hammering the booze all the time all the time and in the books right. in the books it oh, talked about it a lot now i've said this before in the show and i'll say it again they obviously did not have aquafina <laughs> okay that's an wasted <laughs> there was not a lot of great water just rolling around that you could have easily in 1744 i'll tell you that but she drinks all the time and they are really also showing it in the show Yep. That she's drinking all the time. Because, you know, they talk about whiskey in the books. They talk about whiskey here in the show. But... They got the wine. They got the port. They got the whiskey. And yeah. I love I love the bitch face she gives the comp. Like when she says, as oh, she's sipping. as she's sipping. Oh, that's such a girl power move. Mm-hmm. It's like you look at him like with the side eye and you sip at the same time. Like, that's right. I disrespect you so much. I'm going to drink wine at the same time. Yeah. I just get very uncomfortable dr- having her drink so much while she's pregnant. <laughs> I really do. I'm like, girl. That's a lot. That's a lot of booze. Yeah, that's a lot of booze. Uh, one of my favorite lines that Jamie had was he says he wants to expose the prince for the delusional popinjay that he is. <laughs> I want to use that. I want to call someone that. You're such a delusional popinjay. <laughs> what the hell's a popinjay? I don't know. Maybe it's a blue jay. I, I, I didn't know blue jays were delusional. I, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Somebody who is much smarter than us in our listening audience will please let us know what a popinjay is. By the way, I also want to let you know that I was totally called out. Uh, from the listener feedback episode last episode that we had mm-hmm. when Teddy said uh, no more Yankee my wanky I thought that was the funniest thing on the planet it actually is a reference from 16 candles and I cannot tell you how many freaking emails I got and uh, Facebook messages which by the way thank you very much I, I'm not complaining about it thank you for telling me educate my man but I got an email every five freaking minutes <laughs> about 16 <laughs> candles and donger and Molly Ringwald and, and people I- were like Blake how did you know no no I'll tell you guys how we didn't know he's not a girl <laughs> 
We didn't watch it religiously like we all did growing up. Like if, you, if you want, if you want to quit the Breakfast Club left and right, fine. I will totally go all John Bender on you and say, "Smoke them if you got them, kiddo." And don't worry about your homework, kid. You can do it on the boat. I can go Breakfast Club all day, but sixteen candles, mm, not so much. It's all right. I can't. I do love Molly Ringwald, though. I know, and She's I love great. you. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. The whole point of uh this dinner party yep was to bring louise in front of in front of bonnie prince charlie right to rile him up once the news of her pregnancy which is bonnie prince's baby but he mm-hmm. doesn't know that yet um to let him see that it is his she kid. no well maybe maybe he'll think that she's sleeping with her husband and that will rile him up even more <laughs> that's the whole point they're trying to be like... You're afraid that... For Louise, you're afraid that you're going to hurt your 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 your, the, your other partner, your, your lover, lover, by sleeping with your husband. Oh, my gosh. That line was amazing. <laughs> that line was amazing. Oh, man. So they want to have her come on over, see the Bonnie Prince. Of course, Claire and... and uh, I was about to call him Sam. Claire and Jamie figured out this little precarious situation thanks to a monkey bite. Yes. When oh, <laughs> the Bonnie Prince crawled through their window because he's just so in love with Louise and he's driven mad and he doesn't know what to do. He's a little he reminded... wine drunk in my in my opinion. Oh yeah. A little wine know, drunk. I don't listen. <laughs> I know in my late teens, early twenties. <laughs> You know those poor girls are the girls at prom who are just in the bathroom and they're, they're crying. like crying like <laughs> he's dancing with someone else. <laughs> Were you ever one of those crying girls? I wasn't at prom, but at some point in my life I will admit to have been a disgusting crying girl. I even called Delilah you know, Delilah. Oh my and I was God. like, can you please play Whitney Houston? My heart will go on. <laughs> I totally did, guys. I did. So this this was... <laughs> wait, wait, no, that wasn't Whitney Houston, girlfriend. My wait. heart will go on. Oh, no, no, my oh, heart Celine will go Dion. on. Shoot, shoot, which one was it? The one from The Bodyguard. I will always, I will love, always you. love you. Darn it. Anyway, that's the played. I will always love you. Don't don't you dare besmirch the good I'm name sorry. of Kevin Costner no, in The Bodyguard. No. Well, I did. I told, called Delilah. Delilah, and this was Bonnie Prince Charlie's Delilah moment. He was like an eight-year-old girl, yes. or, or like a girl in the eighth grade. And right? I know that you were sitting there, you were like, "Really, really?" I, I was, I, I was so man. disappointed by this reveal. I was like, "Really?" But are you telling me that you've never had a Delilah moment? No, no, no. Oh, oh, I've had many a right? Delilah moment. And this is his bro. No, no, no. Jamie I was disappointed by the friend. reveal. I was disappointed by the reveal because. Like really, of course the Bonnie Prince is is with Louise. I mean, why wouldn't you? Louise is amazing. Yeah, yeah. she's so fun. They're dreamers together. Yes, he they has, are. She dreamers. has a monkey <laughs> who bites. He's got really bad poop face. So it looks like he's someone, mark me. She yeah. loves when he says can mark we, me. All right, can we just let go of the mark me's from now on? Can we just stop that? I think altogether? everyone feels that way. A lot of people are saying it's a drinking game, but oh maybe, my God. maybe that just turns Louise on. He likes monkeys and she likes mark me's. Anyway, it's like it, it, I want to smash my face into the ground every time I hear this guy say it. Like literally. Is it well, I think you're supposed to find him annoying and if that's another little way that they were able to do it, oh well God. done, writers. Well done. I, I agreed. agreed. Sleep with my husband, my lover would be furious. <laughs> <laughs> the great thing that came out of uh Louise talking to Claire was 
how could I raise a child with a man who's not the father? Yep. And Claire says, the child, as long as the child is bred up with love. Right. That's what matters. A little bit and, more foreshadowing oh, there. Great foreshadowing this episode. Right. So, so amazing. And little did Claire know that she was going to be needing some of that advice. And it makes you wonder if she's going to take her own advice with Frank. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of me thinks that she will, uh, given her reaction to Frank and, and the deal that they made. Uh, but, you know, the other part of me thinks maybe not. Maybe she's going to be so upset that um, that she won't. I don't know. So I, I'm not sure. I, I, I desperately wanted to take her own advice. <laughs> that that's that's how it works for me. I that that's all I got. I, but is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Do you want to talk about the fight now at, at, towards the end of the episode, or do you want to move on? From I just want to. I think we said what we needed to say, or else we're going to be haters. Yeah, I don't want to be haters. I mean, I see why the fight happened. I see why that it, that it. It went on. I get it. I just I don't like the, I don't like how it was. You just loved the tassel throwing. Oh my god, the tassel and throwing! There was like one really big comedic one when Murta was holding onto the tassel and Jamie was holding onto the castle, and some guy like walked into it. Yeah, and they like they like tag teamed it like WWF style. I wanted clown music like. Well, instead of being haters, let's be lovers. All right, let's do it. What do you got? And talk about the lovers. Otherwise known as Mary Hawkins and Alex Randall. Can we talk about Alex Randall and how sweet this little kid is? Oh my god! How the hell can you get Alex Randall and then Blackjack Randall? Like, what Seriously. kind of parenting are you doing? Like Randall family? What are we doing here? It shows you it's nature, not nurture. Oh my goodness gracious! Mm-hmm. Like this kid is so sweet. He loves Mary Hawkins, oh, and, and I'm 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 sad now that this kid's got to die. He's gonna die. I don't care what anybody says. He's gonna totally gonna die. My 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 uh, my theory, my outlandish theory, is come, totally coming true. And uh, it's sad that this kid's gonna croak. And I and I don't want it to. He seems like a nice kid, and now he seems like he loves so Mary. Messed up. And he tells her he loves her, and like he's holding her, and he's like trying to protect her. Although, like when when your girl is hallucinating, and you know that she's gonna be hallucinating, you don't like get on top of her, and you don't like, oh, it's okay. You know, where like, was Suzette? What are we doing here? Banging Murtaugh. That's where she was. <laughs> no, because he came back to the fight. I was going to say. Where, ma- ma- I don't know where she was. She was probably with someone else. That's what Fergus said. <laughs> Fergus said she loves any man that walks by her room. Oh, my God. That was great. Can we talk about that scene a little bit? Just, just Which one? The one with Fergus and, and Murtaugh. The this, fact, is, this is the lover section. We're just the, talking about the I things know. that we love. I absolutely adore this kid, Fergus. I, I think he is. I think he's hysterical. I think, I think he's acted well. He's played well. He's written well. Um, and the fact that he is so intuitive about what women are going through and he sees this and he can make the joke with Murtaugh and the fact that Murtaugh can joke with him like you see them as like buddy cops almost I think that's great mm-hmm. I really like this relationship I really like how what Fergus is bringing to the table uh, for, for Outlander speaking of Fergus at the table way to chow down I know you see oh, I was a little I was a little perturbed at this at this scene too you need to know that that's Fergus Fergus is literally like I'm going to make lemonade out of these lemons <laughs> because I got to look out for myself right now. I, I just, I, I'm hungry. It, it was hard. It was hard for me because they got the fight going on. Mary Hawkins was just raped. And in between, we got Fergus being like, hey, I'm eating these yeah. chicken wings. That that was it. It was that there was this whole rape situation going on with her being traumatized. And then you had somewhat of a comedic fight yeah. over over this and Fergus. So you're right. It was that part I can understand being conflicting. The other thing that I liked about the dinner is instead of a coat check, they had a sword check. <laughs> Everyone's just leaving their swords. Yeah. And I liked how, how Murtaugh wasn't screwing around, by the way. He was going to be ripping people new throats. Hi, here's my knife. How do you like me now? 
Oh. Bitch, <laughs> you know, like and I. Someone still had a sword. Who freaking had a sword? There was the sword chick. As it was the you general. Entered. The general had the sword, oh, and gosh. and the general, and, and you know, it was just, it was so like, I don't know. And then, and then he had the comp saying, "Get the gendarmes," and and Sandringham walking out saying, "I want a dessert." And I loved, I liked Sandringham's little parts because I would have totally been like, I was really looking forward to dessert too. <laughs> There's always room for dessert. That's, That's one of the reasons why I fell in love with Mary. That was like the, one of the first things I ever told you. There was, there was, just, there is just always room for dessert. Yes. I don't care what it is, what we're doing, where we're going. Save the room. <laughs> well, now that we've recapped this. With our, our loves. Let's hear what everyone else had for their good, bad, greats, the GBGs. On Facebook, Megan Hill says, so overall, I'd give this episode Wait for... Wait You didn't play the GBG music. Oh, I did not. And people love that they song. They do love that song. Now you go. There we go. <laughs> so, there we go. Let's go back now. On Facebook, Megan Hill says, so overall, I'd give this episode 4.4 kilts. Good. The title card. I absolutely loved all of the symbolism behind this title card. The, the removal of the locking pin, to me, signifies that the lock Claire and Jamie thought they had on their Ooh. plan to thwart the next Jacobite uprising, maybe slipping from their grasp. That plan being to block the final uh, financial backing. Wow, man, I am just ruining this. That's you know uh, no let's let's just play it the play the real way so it's nice and loud for everybody to hear. There we go. That's the Blakeism. Uh, the financial plan that they had. Uh, where is it? I lo- I lost it. I. You, you know, know why, everyone? This is Blake's first job, first time recording. <laughs> I'm usually the recorder. There we go. The the plan being <laughs> to, to block the financial backing that may flow from France to the Stuarts. The proverbial wheels seem to be falling off of this wagon, wow, just like how deep. the wheels are falling off my wagon as I'm reading yeah, this GBG. I might need to start taking back over recording. <laughs> the, the bad. As much as I love Master. To Raymond, this interaction fell completely flat for me. The portending of Claire seeing Frank again was almost as if they forgot to cut the scene when they decided to start the season in the 1940s. I would have preferred that the whole section of the fortune telling just be cut and leave Master Raymond as more of an extremely gifted and astute apothecary instead of some backside street magician. I kind of agree with this one a little bit. The great was the great six and the nine can go hang argument and reconciliation. Tonographia did an amazing job of tweaking the original text to fit the whole thing together into context of Outlander, the show timeline and plot line. So many things have been left hanging, not in a cliffhanger show way, in quotes, but in wait, what about this? Did they forget to resolve that? In quote, kind of way, not the least of which being the profound and impactful connection between Claire and Jamie. And I think this episode did a fantastic job pulling all of those threads together. And a bonus great, by the way, she did a GBGG, a GB, GBBG, <laughs> GB, yeah. Uh, Fergus sitting down to a freaking feast while the utter chaos is going on in the parlor. On Instagram, Gypsy Librarian says the good Fergus was schooling Merton on the ways of women. Bad was Master Raymond telling Claire she will see Frank again and not nearly as effective since we already know this. And it felt like it was just taking up time in an already packed episode. Wow, people are not liking that scene. Great. Jamie and Claire reconciling in a beautifully shot, beautifully lit scene. Dare I suggest this is the show version of the hot spring scene. Mm -hmm. My love, I've heard about this hot springs. What's the deal? 
Mm, just just think of it. Oh, Hot my springs and goodness. Jamie and Claire and obviously sex. You know. It was a good written scene. It was the most beautiful. This is they connected. They connected. It was like it was this it was this, but in hot springs. Yep. So Okay. In 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 beautiful hot springs. Fan of good dramas on Twitter says good. All of the interactions between the Compte, Claire, and Jamie, bad. Ooh, they 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 feel the same way I do. The, the use of the curtain tie in a fight. I'm so glad somebody else pointed this out. Somebody else found this. Uh, and great was the end shot of Fergus. What was he eating? Some kind of meat? I have no idea what he was eating. It made me hungry. Between oh. that and the peaches, I was good. All right, you ready for the Kendra yes. editor-in-chief thought of the week? guys it's kendra this episode was amazing uh it was not without its flaws but it sits up there with the devil's mark as one of my favorite episodes of the entire series there's a lot that we get in this episode but i want to focus on the mending of jamie and claire's intimacy which i thought they did about as well as they could there have been people lamenting the bite mark argument and saying that jamie never really gives a proper explanation like diana gives in the book uh, however, I remember not really being satisfied with the explanation in the book either, so I decided to go back and revisit that scene, and guess what? The explanation is no better in the book. We're still just left to take Jamie's word for it. In the book, he's got the bite mark, scratches, and is covered in perfume. He proves he did nothing by holding his dirk to his chest and telling Claire to stab him in the heart if she doesn't believe him. While that may satisfy Jamie fans, it's not an actual explanation, and Claire clearly has the right to be livid. We're just expected to get past it and assume Jamie would never actually cheat because he's the king of men. I'll tell you what, if my husband came home with bite marks on his inner thighs, there would need to be a diagram involved with stick figures and a timeline with notes like, Hooker A held me down with preternatural strength while Hooker B did the biting. Exhibit C is how they managed to get my pants off. I'm going to have to ignore this because I doubt any real explanation is coming because it still makes zero sense. Going back a bit to the BJR reveal, Jamie's reaction does make perfect sense. There's another scene some people have an issue with, but we need to consider Jamie's character and also take a look back at the text of Outlander to show why this is actually the perfect catalyst for Jamie's mental recovery. In Outlander chapter 25, Thou Shalt Not Suffer a Witch to Live, Jamie says to Claire after she's chosen to stay with him in the past, I wish I could have fought him for you, he said abruptly, looking at, back at me. His blue eyes were dark and earnest. I smiled at him, touched. It wasn't your fight, it was mine. But you won it anyway. I reached out a hand and he squeezed it. Aye, but that's not what I meant. If I'd fought him, for, fought him man to man and won... You'd not need to feel any regret over it. So that's who Jamie is. He's a warrior. Now, I don't know that it makes sense even in that context because, of course, Claire is still going to feel regret because she made a choice. And the way Jamie frames it takes away that choice and turns her into a prize to be won, which is a sentiment I hate, but I at least understand it. In short, this is what Jamie needed. He needed a say in the matter of BJR's fate. He needs to fight his own battle, just like Claire needed to make her own choice. Uh, there were so many other things I loved about this episode, like Sandringham's, I was so looking forward to dessert. It's, it's such a great line. Um, but the reunion between Jamie and Claire was what we all desperately needed. And for the most part, I feel like it was done 
with wonderful insight, and I'm so glad we got Jamie's lean-to speech. Uh, That was from the first book in the original timeline where we spent so much more time at the Abbey, and it makes sense that we finally are getting that now. Overall, I'm going to give this episode 4.9 kilts. I really, really want to give it five, despite the bite marks shenanigans, but I found it overwhelmingly emotionally satisfying. Thanks, guys. I am super excited for next week, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this episode, particularly the bite marks. Talk to you next week. Salut! All right, Kendra, thank you so much. As always, we are so happy to have you on the show, and I am so happy that you are the editor-in-chief. You are wicked smart. You know what you're talking about, and you bring it every episode. That she does, and if people want to hear more of Kendra, she actually has a, a podcast oh, that's of right. her own with her husband. It's called Beyond the Stone, so you can search it in Facebook, and uh, it's a ton of fun to hear. If, if you love Kendra's thoughts of the week like we do, I mean, that's why she has her own segment on here. Right. Uh, you'll want to give her a listen, so it's called Beyond the Stone. She talks about Outlander. She talks about other things, too, with her husband. Great stuff. Please go listen, and uh, that'd be amazing. But my love, just as amazing as Kendra's podcast is. You know what else is amazing? Sure, Blake. Your outlandish theory of the week. (laughs) So this is the real deal here, kiddo. This is the real outlandish theory that I got. Okay. I've, been, I've been letting this one, I, I figured it out too. I figured it out this episode. But before I get I give it to you, I want to let you know that this outlandish theory of the week is brought to you by Ackroyd's Scottish Bakery. For over 60 years, Ackroyd's Scottish Bakery has been making traditional Scottish baked goods with contemporary flair. Throughout the second season of Outlander, we will they will offer a special menu of Outlander-inspired delicacies, and they ship throughout the U.S., so check them out at www.ackroydsbakery, that is A-C-K-R-O-Y-D-S, bakery.com for more info and be sure to tell them that Mary and Blake, me and my wife sitting across the way from me, sent you and use the coupon code OUTLANDER to get 5% off of your purchase. And please, treat them well. They have great stuff. Really, really cool Scottish uh, bakery items. But you're ready? You're, are you ready for the main... I'm ready, theory of the week? I, babe, I'm ready all the time because some wait. of them I make me laugh on the inside. Some of them make me go, <laughs> oh, he's so smart. I think this one's going to be another smart one. Ready? Okay. I, I, I'm almost ready to play the bell. I'm almost ready to ring the bell right now. Master Raymond's a traveler. I can feel it. I can feel it in my bones. The fact that he made such a big deal out of this about being uh, being um, infatuated things with things of not of this time uh, and the person that had a similar kind of uh, feeling uh, and introduction and had a similar kind of tone with Claire was Galus. And we all know that I was right about Galus. So I'm telling you that Master Raymond is a traveler too. I just I just got a feeling because he is pretty smart. He's he's got more going on than he's letting on. And uh, I'm not sure when he's from, but he's got all these like dinosaur bones and he's got all of these. uh, He's just got he's just got so much stuff around him that it's it's hard for me to uh, believe that uh, he is from that time. My love. What do you think? Are you going to give me an interesting? Interesting. (laughs) That's it. That's all you're going to give me. That's all I'm giving you. Fine. Please hang up and try again. My love, as we close out this Emmy-winning 
Caldecott winning. I finally got the. I finally got it in the mail. The Caldecott Award. Yay! Uh, and uh, I also got notification that we're getting we're getting the Nobel Peace Prize too. And we get a sticker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, as we close out this show, what are your final thoughts? My final thoughts are Happy Birthday, Jamie Fraser. Aww. His birthday was May first. Also, Sam's birthday was just recently, and my birthday is May fifth. I was just going to call that out. Really connect with Jamie because he's a Taurus like myself. Oh my God. Yes. You know, I had a listener saying how she was surprised that a Taurus could be a Gryffindor, by the way. Oh. Um, I, I, and I, if, if you're listening, I'm sorry, I forget your Twitter Wouldn't handle. Wouldn't Jamie be a Gryffindor? Uh, J- I think Jamie would be a Gryffindor. See, maybe Jamie and I would be the only Taurus Gryffindors. <laughs> you're a wizard, Harry. I think that a lot of Taurus people could be Gryffindors. Just just saying. Just throwing that out there. Anyway. I'm a Pisces and I'm a Slytherin. How, the, how does that work? <laughs> so those are my final thoughts. Uh, my final thoughts were that I absolutely adored the dress that Claire was wearing uh, or the top, whatever it was. The like jacket. The, the jacket with the blue and the red. Uh, it is by far my favorite outfit she's worn so far. Mm-hmm. More than the red dress, more more than uh, the Christian Dior dress. This this one was the one that brought it for me. I really loved this one. Um, other than that, uh, I, I know I said I was more uh, confident and uh, happy with... France uh, in the last episode and I'm still okay with it I gotta get out of France soon I gotta get out uh, because it doesn't feel like Outlander to me uh, and I've, I'm, I'm ready for them to go back to Scotland I'm ready for them to go back to the 40s this it just seeing Jamie and Claire doing the things that they're doing it just doesn't feel like them and I don't like that you know what I mean I love Scotland. I love I Scotland. But I'm having a grand time in, in Paris. I'm, I'm just going to say that. I think because I know we're not going to be here forever. Yeah, I think that's it. I'm taking it like it's a trip. Like, I would love to go to Paris in real life. I don't think I could ever live there. Yeah. And I'm really enjoying this. I'm enjoying the sights, the sounds, the drama. It's like me in New York. Like, yes. every time I go to New York, I, I see why people love it. I see why people, like, can't get enough in New York. And I could be there for, like, a day. Yep. Or, like, two days. But when I when I go to New York, I'm out every time. Every time I we're 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 in the car, we're driving from New York. My love, what do I say? Get me the hell out of this damn state. Get me out of this goddamn state because <laughs> I I can't be in New York anymore. I, gotta, I love New York. I really love New York. So it makes me sad that you feel. But you, that's it. It's enough. It's just a little bit. So that's how I'm viewing Paris. I love it. I'm having a blast. I think it's beautiful, amazing, so many fun things. But I'll be happy to leave. Yeah, I'll Paris be happy now. to leave, and I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to leave, uh, and that is that. But uh, I, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying Paris, but I'm I'm ready to leave. My love, are you ready to close out the show? Yep. All right, let's do it. Well, I want to let you know as I get my Caldecott Award right here. Here it is. There it is. Hear that? That's my Caldecott Award. I want to let you know that this episode of Outlander Cast is brought to you by the Outlander Experience. Come take an intimate tour of Scotland with Jeff Robertson, the owner of the Outlander Experience, and embark on a fully planned, fully escorted 10-day luxury tour where you can retrace Jamie and Claire's romance, visit quaint Scottish villages, magnificent castles, stay at historic inns, and explore the major sites where Outlander Season 1 was filmed. So visit Jeff at www.theoutlanderexperience.com to book the trip that you always wanted 
like me, I need a trip now. Lay, lay the uh, lay the newspaper down for my kids. I'll be gone for a month. But never knew that you actually needed to get the full Outlander experience. TheOutlanderExperience.com, where the Scottish past is alive, but the story will take your breath away. Don't forget that we have two episodes to talk about this episode of Outlander. Our second episode will come out later this week. It's our listener feedback episode. Yes, I'm sorry that we were so delayed. Our children have been driving us insane. Yeah. So hopefully the listener feedback episode will be coming out uh, Thursday, Friday. We'll we'll make sure it comes out. But you can get us your feedback through Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can find us just searching for Outlander Cast. You can also head on over to outlandercast.com. There you'll be able to write wonderfully long messages to us and kind of see what other people have been writing as well. And you can also find the hotline number on our website if you want to have your voice heard. So it's not just Blake and I talking to ourselves. No, we don't want to do It's a lot that. more fun when other people get on there too. That's right. If you want to get in touch with us too and the social media isn't enough, you can always reach us at outlandercast at gmail.com. And don't forget about the Facebook group that we have, this amazing wicked cool way to interact not only with mary and i on a more personal level but also the writers of the outlander cast blog you we will be able to ask them questions about what they have written ask mary and i about what we what we've talked about if you just want to know like what favorite color mary's lipstick is you can do that too or what my favorite benedict cumberbatch movie is because i'm a cumberbitch you can you can ask me uh, and I am there. We, everybody's there. The group, the group is growing wildly, and I'm so excited about it. Um, and also, don't forget about the Outlander Cast blog. Uh, you will be able to find the live blog that our wonderful writer Ashley has done uh, for every single episode so far, and every single episode coming forward and going, you know, coming to us uh, from from now on. So she's amazing, and uh, so <laughs> please check it out. She's awesome. Outlander Cast blog. Just go to outlandercast.com and click on the button that says blog. That's all I got, kid. I love it. Do, do you got anything else? No. That's just, it? Well, until next time, ladies and gents, <laughs> I'm Mary Larson. My name's Blake. And you've been listening to Outlander Cast. <laughs>